0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're looking at Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin our verse today at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For it is in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would come and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. Everything that you're speaking to us, your church, your sons and daughters today, we receive with thanksgiving. Amen. We've looked at chapter 12 in Romans, and now we've been looking at chapter 8. And chapter eight begins with the fact that there is absolutely no condemnation for for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And it's not laborious for me to keep repeating this because it's something that the enemy uses against us all the time. And it seems to be one of the most difficult things for us to make the transition to. Because there is absolutely no, no condemnation that the spirit of acceptance resides in us, that we are fully accepted by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet so often, how, how often do we feel that way? The enemy is constantly trying to throw at us everything that would make us feel disqualified, uh, inferior, that we are condemned, Oh, if, if you know what I th- was thinking just five minutes ago, you wouldn't be saying that. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Do you know that every thought that goes through your brain is not necessarily your thought? Do you know that? And that we are, we are admonished <laughs> to take captive every thought and bring it into obedience to the Lord. Every thought, every thought that we have, we need to take captive. The good thoughts only get blessed and become more fruitful. And the thoughts that are toxic, the thoughts that are condemning, those get captured and dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that. So when you're leaving today and you hit the car and you're heading home and somebody cuts you off, And all of a sudden you think, well, if you know what I was going through, my heart and mind, spirit, soul, body right now, you'd say that needs to be condemned. No condemnation. No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's a a difficult one for us to swallow. It's interesting here at chapter 8 in Romans, Paul is kind of climaxing with us what we would call... His doctrinal section. When we get to chapter 12, he's getting into the practical application. In many ways, chapter 12 is applying everything from Romans 1 to 8, and, and it's applying it in chapter 12. In light of all the mercies that God has bestowed on us, how, how, how should we respond? Surrender. When you look at the goodness and the graciousness of God Almighty and how wonderful, loving, and kind he is to us, chapter 2 of Romans, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's so loving, he's so kind, he, he never rubs our noses in it. So don't do that to your dog, okay? Stop it. Stop rubbing it in your dog. Treat... All created things the way you are treated by your Father. Mm. So we surrender. We surrender. We become living sacrifices. Made holy and acceptable. I love the way that the Passion Translation puts it, and you've heard this quoted by me so many times now. Experiencing everything that delights his heart. He's looking at a little bit at that at Sunday school, just, in, just for a brief moment. And it's like, do you realize what delights the heart of the Father? Do you realize oh, that he wants you to experience personally everything that delights his heart? Anybody want to experience more? Would, are you satisfied with where you are? It's like, no, 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 no. And we're going to get into that today because there is a longing. There is a longing that can only be described as a groaning, an internal groaning inside of us. This is how the Passion puts it. Okay, the Passion Translation by Brian Simmons. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. See, verse 17 is talking about that we'll be co-heirs and we will share the glory, the co-glory with Jesus, uh, providing that we suffer. We fellowship in his sufferings. We don't don't, uh, balk at at the suffering when it comes. (laughs) But then he goes on and and he, he makes this incredible statement. In light of this magnificent glory, the magnitude of glory that's about to be unveiled in us, the suffering is, is infinitesimal, small. It's, it, you, you can hardly notice it. So don't be surprised when you suffer. Jesus said it, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. When Jesus says you will have trouble, guess what? You're probably going to have trouble. You can probably take that and count on it. But take heart, I've overcome the world. There is something as we identify with Christ that his overcoming becomes our overcoming. And we'll see that next week when we get into the last part of chapter eight. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children." What's happening in you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ? All creation is watching in eager anticipation. I think they're hoping that we get it. I think creation just is, is just saying, when will these creatures finally believe what God has told and promised? When are they going to get it? Because they're Decay their bondage, what creation is experiencing is a direct result of our fall. And as a result, they're longing for us to understand that in Jesus Christ, there has been a full restoration that will manifest itself even in creation. I can't get ahead of myself, but it, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Where did I leave off? To this day, day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were the contractions of labor for childbirth. It's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit also inwardly groan, as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters Including our physical bodies being transformed for this is the hope of our salvation. Are you following this? Poke your neighbor and say, I know it's easy to sleep on this guy, but try to pay attention today. Try to really listen, okay? There is a groaning and there is an ex expectation and an anticipation of all creation, the whole universe. And I love how the passion, they're on tiptoe. They're on tiptoe waiting to see the unveiling of us. When we connect with the incredible work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, when we come into the full salvation experience, not just the certainty that we're going to heaven, but we come into the full realm of salvation, that he is our deliverer, that he is our savior, that he is our healer, that he is our great high priest, that he has given his Holy Spirit to us to lead and to guide us, to empower and to anoint us so that we can truly be everything that he's created us to be. You have the DNA of Jesus inside you when you received him as Lord and savior. And the key is letting that be activated in its fullness, in all aspects of how we think, how we feel, how we exercise our will, all absolutely valuable and important. And it's not just for you, Here's the thing. When we think it's just about us, this happens even with sin. When it comes to sin, we think it's just about us. and It's not going to affect anybody else. Who cares? Why? Just go ahead and click. It doesn't matter. I mean, if I'm polluting anybody, it's just me. It's not going to get on anybody. No, 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 no. Just as our sin has ramifications to everyone, so our salvation has ramifications for everyone. The forgiveness, the cleansing, the sanctifying, the righteousness of Christ that has been imparted to us has an effect on everyone that we come in contact with. All that are in our sphere of influence, it touches them. So much so that it affects creation. They're tired of living in this decay. They're tired of living in this degeneration. They want to see the regeneration that the Lord Jesus has brought to us and for us to fully walk into it because when we do, we'll go back to Genesis and we'll start to fulfill the very purpose for which he created us, to rule and to reign over creation. When we are in harmony with God, the creation sings. It affects them it has an impact on them. And so all creation is waiting. When will they believe? When will they believe? When will they believe everything that God has done for them? When will they embrace it wholeheartedly? And that's why we find in the beginning of chapter eight, as we find that there's no condemnation because we now have the spirit of life abiding inside of us. And as the spirit of life leads us, it leads us into life and to peace. And it causes us to be able to say no to the law of sin and death, to say no to the sinful nature and to come into a place of communion with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit whereby we once again have free choice. Now you may not exercise your freedom of choice correctly every time, but here's what I find. As as he is making us new on the inside, as that reality is taking place, we're much quicker to repent. We're much quicker to be aware that we just said something that was hurtful, that was harmful, that was not of the heart of the Father. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I don't know how he does you, but I know when I'm in trouble, man, I know that we're on our way to the woodshed, but it's not discipline the way we discipline. When we go to the woodshed, I know I'm getting an upgrade. Yeah, I'll need to repent. I may need to, to go and ask for forgiveness. I may need to go and make amends. There may be some things that I need to do, but I know the end result is going to be the capacity to love is going to increase. If I respond properly to what the Holy Spirit is doing, I will be immediately aware of when I've done something and I will already, my heart will be sorry there, there's almost a godly sorrow that resides in us every time we, we do something. It's like, oh, it's not the sorrow that leads to death. It's a sorrow that leads to life. It's, it's a sorrow that causes us to take responsibility for what just happened to us so that we can grow and develop and be refined and reflect his love more accurately. Have you ever noticed that? When you have to humble yourself and go to someone and ask for forgiveness for what you said, did, or didn't do, or didn't say, or, but it, it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit's let you know. I usually try to talk my way out of it and all my religious arguments and stuff. That never works. I, I, so I stop. Right now, if he tells me, I, I just go. I know it's time to go. There's no way around it. And when I go and I humble myself and I ask for forgiveness, it becomes a glory moment the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord always gets over brokenness and humility. It always, whenever we humble ourselves, the presence of God shows up and it's a God moment. And not only do you feel good because you've done what you're supposed to and you've been forgiven, but it has an impact on the other person. And God touches them. They're able to forgive you. They're able to receive your, uh, your repentance, your amends or whatever, hopefully. <clears throat> but say that they're not. It's just put a huge dent in the hardness of their heart. It just put a big chink <clears throat> in their armor to where the love of God will penetrate And you will find that as we walk in humility and as we're quick to respond to the impulses of the Holy Spirit, that it will set us up for occasion after occasion to release the glory of the Lord. And all creation is on tippy-toe waiting to see that happen. It's not that you have to become perfect. You just have to become His. You just have to become trainable and teachable, malleable, so that he, the potter, can shape the clay and fashion us the way he desires to fashion us. Oh, this is good news. Sure is. You, 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 don't, you don't know how much rides on the choices that you make today. This is not to put a big, heavy burden and weight on of, super responsibility on you. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a wake-up call to say, you are so important. You make a difference, not only to your, yourself, but to your family, to this church, to the community, but to all creation. They're all waiting to see the church embrace her true identity as the bride, pure and spotless, the bride of Christ. And as we see that happen, (laughs) the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. The signs and wonders, the supernatural, will just become a way of life. Why? Because it's supposed to be. We're supernatural creatures. We're made in his image. We're made to have a capacity to receive love and truth and to exercise our will so that his glory is released in the earth. Jim, where am I now? Twenty-four? Did we get through twenty-four? So because our hope is set on what is seen, we patiently keep on waiting for it. And in a similar way, ooh, don't you love those expressions? In a similar way, as we're hoping, as we're hoping for our salvation, I really didn't complete that thought, did I? <laughs> so as, as we're waiting for the completion of our salvation, it's not, only, it's not only the glory, it's not only the non-condemnation, all this stuff, but it, we're waiting in, in expectation for the full transformation of our bodies. Ooh. I keep saying this and I, I know I'm gonna offend all our religious spirits here in just a second. Jesus is not just an example for us. Jesus is an example of us. I was sharing with Sunday school class, first time I heard that, everything inside of me wanted to say, heresy, heresy, that's not true. Every religious bone inside my body said, don't you in any way demean Jesus? Are you trying to say Jesus and I are the same? I'm not talking about trying to demote Jesus any. I'm trying for us to get a revelation of really where we belong in the family. He's our elder brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he's our elder brother. And the, and, and the climax at, that we're waiting for and that we're, grown, we're groaning inwardly as we're wanting to see the fullness of God manifested in us to the point that it transforms our body. Hmm. You'll be hearing more about this in the days to come because I'm looking for my body to be transformed. I really am. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it to come under the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my body fully, fully yielded to the lordship of Jesus. And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time. But it's not a self-help program. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do program. Still involves our cooperation, our, our submission, our surrender. But it's not us pulling us, ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we never get anywhere in the kingdom like that. So there's where we are. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. Oh my, is that good? Anybody got any weakness that you need empowered? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit takes hold of us. He takes hold of us to empower us. Even in our human frailty, in our weakness, he takes hold of us. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us with to super intercede on our behalf, oh, pleading yeah. to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. The super intercessor. I Ooh, I like this. That's what he's doing for you. Oh yeah. That's what he's doing for you. Even when we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to pray, we don't even know what to ask for. The Holy Spirit is interceding before the throne of God on our behalf. Interceding (laughs) with groans that there's no words for. What, what incredible. Well, let me get through the rest and then give you a couple exhortations. We'll close. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longing, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I'm so glad he's doing that. I'd never figure it out. God's plan, our destiny we're having trouble just figuring out who we are, let alone what we're supposed to do, what we're called to. So we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Yeah. Hallelujah. So I'll close with groans today. And all the people groaned. Mm-mm. You know, there's, there's a moan. That was more like a moan, Marcus. And then there's a groan. Some of your bellies are groaning for lunch, groaning for lunch. You know, there, uh, sometimes the groan is a, a craving. It's a craving manifestation of hunger. We're groaning for something. And here we find that creation is groaning for something. Because it's, because of the consequences of human sin, it's, it's dealing with empty futility and it's wanting to be purposeful the way it was originally created to be. So it's in universal agony. It's, it's been groaning like a woman giving birth to a child. The labor pains. Oh, I've seen my wife go through that. And it was really hard on me. <clears throat> OMG. Oh. Creation's groaning with birth pangs, waiting for us to take our rightful place in the kingdom. And then it says that we groan. <laughs> we who have experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, these are the first fruits of the Spirit. You take your your greatest experience, your greatest encounter in the presence of God, your greatest Holy Spirit experience, manifestation, anointing, working through you. You take the greatest thing that you've ever known and that's just the beginning. We've just started to scratch the surface. We don't have a clue how much better things are supposed to be and they're going to be. It's... can't wait for that. And so we're passionately longing to experience our full status as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We want to do that. Anybody happy with the status that you're currently writing in? It's like, are, are you content with that? You know, I am thankful for it. Oh, I am so thankful. Matter of fact, I never knew I would be where I am now. And I'm so thankful for it but I'm not satisfied. Oh, no. The more, the more you experience, the more you want. The more you realize there, he's better than we could have ever imagined. We experience a, a portion of his goodness, and we think, boy, that's better than the old mean God I thought he was, the one that was going to punish and all that. But, but then we realize, oh, he's even better than what I thought. He's even better than I could imagine. I almost took issue with that because I have one of the greatest imaginations. <clears throat> when, when, when people tell me, you know, think of, you know, think of a number. Think of it. I, I can think. I can go, I can go pretty, pretty massive. But when I go as big as I can be, I can't even begin to scratch the surface of how good he is. He is beyond the greatest goodness we could ever, ever think of. And the third person that groans is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit rises up (laughs) to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words, just too deep for words. The Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. And so He grounds. There are things that I find in the kingdom of God that there is just no language for, there is no words for. So when you are having an encounter and something is just coming out that's audible, Don't worry about it. Let it come out. It's okay. It's okay. Well, those are the groaners. Creation, we with the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, we got a foretaste and the Holy Spirit as he's interceding for us. But whenever I see that the Holy Spirit's interceding for us, I I can't help but get away from Graham Cook, who talks about the throne of the Father. And on one side is the Holy Spirit, and on the other side is the Son of God, Jesus. And they're both living to make intercession for us. And if you've ever heard Graham, he says, what you need to do is go get into the throne room and then sneak up and listen how they're praying for you. What, what is the Holy Spirit asking the Father for you? What is Jesus interceding in behalf for you before the throne of God? What is it that they're making intercession for, for you? I, I, I do that on a regular basis. I enjoy that. That's, that's really cool. I like what they're talking about me about. It's, it's kind of exciting, builds my faith. But at times I want to go and I want to hear what they're saying about another person. Not so I can go gossip, but so I can stand in agreement and be used in that person's life because I heard what Jesus is praying for them. I heard what the Holy Spirit is praying for them. You think of the unsaved family members in your your family. Get before the throne of God and find out what Jesus and the Holy Spirit is praying in behalf of those loved ones that you have that don't know Jesus or that are not walking close to him. Don't do it so you can go and wave your finger and say, God, no, go so that you know how to harmonize with the love redemptive plan that God has for your loved ones so that you'll know how to approach them so that you'll be able to approach them from God's heart of mercy. So verse 34, we'll close with this. This is next week. Just kind of bait you a little bit with next week. Is it saying, well, you know, who's going to condemn us? Will Jesus condemn us? And it says, Jesus, the anointed one. No, he's not. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? If you get into the throne room and you're listening to what Jesus is praying and he's, he's praying something like, oh, Father, please smack so-and-so. You know, he's such a pig headed hard-hearted. Da-da-da. That's probably not Jesus that you're hearing because Jesus is praying for your triumph. Ah. That goes against all my old-fashioned holiness where we thought if we could make somebody feel guilty and condemned, then maybe they'd be more like God and they'd grovel. No, Jesus is the one that's praying for your triumph. Listen to what Jesus is praying. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's praying. Let's realize that there's groans inside of us that should cause us to come into a greater fullness of what God has for us climaxing with the transformation of our bodies. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love. You're so good. You're so, so good. Thank you for the gentle ways in which you even lead us to repentance because of your kindness. Thank you, Lord, <laughs> that you don't want us to be conformed to the world, that, that you don't want us to live according to the sinful nature You don't want us to be identified with the culture values. (laughs) You want us to be identified by how you've created us and how you have defined us and how you have promised to us. And so we thank you. We say thank you. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would now come and that you would speak to each heart here. I pray that you would uh, just filter out of the room all religious spirits so that we would have our full, free will without any religious restraint, restriction, uh, impairment, to just totally open ourselves And say, Lord, we don't want to see the creation groaning anymore. And we want that internal groaning that we have to be fulfilled more today than it was yesterday. So bring the fullness, the fullness of yourself to us. And I pray for each one that is looking for the transformation of their bodies. hmm that house your presence, that house the Holy Spirit, that become the tabernacle that we reside in here on earth. I pray for transformation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the healing power that raised Jesus from the dead, that your power would trump that would overcome, that would cast out, that would recalibrate every cell in our body. And so our spirits are yours and our hearts are yours. We give to you our soul. We ask that you would continue to bring the fullness of your righteousness to bear. And Father, that you would heal and bring to completion your glorious purposes for our bodies. And for this we say thank you. Let's I was going to say let's stand together and when Mike gets done talking we'll sing this last song and as you're singing this last song anticipate that the goodness of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit wants to encounter you and build you up today. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.